Hello everybody, this is Jeff from LJ Presents. Currently, the noise you might hear in the background is my son playing, happily jumping on his trampoline, as all kids should. I need to read a list for you guys. Trayvon Martin, Kendrick McDade, Dontre Hamilton, Eric Garner, John Crawford III, Michael Brown Jr., Ezel Ford, Tanisha Anderson, Akai Gurley, Tamir Rice, Romaine Brisbane, Jerome Reed, Victor White III, Sandra Bland, Tony Robinson, Philip White, Eric Harris, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Corin Gaines, Philando Castile, Botham Shem Jean, Stefan Clark, Eric Logan, Atatiana Jefferson, Pamela Turner, Tarika Wilson, Ahmad Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. This is just a small list. Since the inception of the smartphone, we have seen lots of beautiful things, but we have also seen the true horrors that the lynchings here in this country has brought us to the point to where I believe the United States of America is going to burn up in flames unless we stop these motherfucking pigs. I'm tired of walking around thinking if a cop is going to want to kill me. For those of you who think that the people in Minneapolis who are currently protesting and some rioting is not in their best interest. You need to open up a history book and realize that we are doing the same thing over again and you're sitting around watching your reality TV shows doing nothing. I'm tired of people blindly walking by. I'm tired. I'm tired. It's time to rise up.
Here we go. Hello world and welcome to another episode of LJ Presents. Today's guest, I had the pleasure of talking to a young man who has a bright future ahead of him. He is the host of the Green Corn Rebellion uh, show that is on YouTube. He is a connoisseur of heavy metal. (laughs) He calls himself uh, the Black Fred Durst. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but you know, I think he'll dig it just the same. And he also talks about politics as well. So I want to see what the young cats are talking about these days. So I uh, got in touch with him on Twitter, chopped it up a little bit there, and then uh, set up a, a time to talk. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Gregory Hardin III. How, how do you know uh, Tabitha, if you don't mind me asking? I was a fan of watching the Hawks when I was in high school. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's how I know of her. And then one day on Twitter, I saw that she, in her bio, it said that she was the former host of watching the Hawks. And so I sent her a DM and I was like, Hey, how come you're not on the show anymore? And she said, and she told me that she left. And I was like, okay, cool. And then we kind of just became friends from there and I asked her to come on my show. And she came on my show. This is like back in January, December, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. how I, so that's how I know her. Oh, that's cool. She's an, uh, an awesome person to know and a really good person. Uh, I've known her for, oh, Jesus, man, like years. And um, <clears throat> I guess, you know, I was interviewing her for my podcast uh you know that i that i do well you know the podcast that you're on now <laughs> so so when i was doing a little research or what have you that's how i came across you know your show with her interview and i was like yo huh i need to know this kid you know so I, you know just simply because of the fact that for the most part i i want to know how uh you know the you know, the Gen Zers, like, what, what are you guys thinking? What's going on? How are you seeing the world now? And, and since, uh, you know, you're a fan of, of watching the Hawks, you know, I was like, well, this is a great person to, uh, you know, gauge what's going on in the world through the point of view of a 20 something. You're like, what, how, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. I am 22, 22 uh-huh. as of February. Yeah. Ah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, you got the world ahead of you. So, you know, keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. So how, how many people have come up to you since you're from Oklahoma? How many people have come up to you and start talking about Watchmen? <laughs> start talking about what? Uh, the show Watchmen on HBO. Watchmen. Uh, none. I, I, bear, I don't even really know what it's about. I've heard of it. I think my mom watches it. But uh, I haven't watched it myself. No, what's it about? Oh, you got you got to see it. So it's just a graphic novel back in the eighties, like highly renowned, right? Like it's pretty much like the Bible of graphic novels, right? So mm-hmm. it's basically what superheroes uh, would do in a in the eighties, and we're talking like you know in the real world is doing a, you know like the Reagan administration, both terms or what have you. And in the graphic novel, uh, Nixon, you know, kept getting 
uh, reelected, right? So Vietnam War, you know, with uh, a hero such as Dr. Manhattan, who's got like, he can take apart um, things in a subatomic level. He's basically God for the most part, yeah. right? So, so from that standpoint, that took place in the 80s. And so the show on a HBO takes place in, in the present time, still along that timeline, instead of Nixon being uh, the president, now it's Robert Redford, who's been like, you know, you know the president for like ever. And the big uh, thing that happened like in the background or what have you is like it, it's set after, after the events of uh, Black Wall Street, you know, the, mm -hmm. yeah. So when Black Wall Street was burned down, it pretty much talks about, you know, the, the ancestors, uh, not the ancestors, but, you know, the people who grew up after that, you know, whether, you know, you're black and you've got ancestors who's, you know, started out on Black Wall Street, what have you. And then instead of reparations, they call it redforation. So in the state of Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, if you are direct descended from anyone, you know, from Black Wall Street, you, you get a check basically. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it just really, it, it talks about, you know, the racial tensions between, you know, poor whites and, you know, the black folks who are getting their red ferations, of course, named after Robert Redford. Right. And uh, it's a really, really neat look. And so, you know, uh, uh, Felicia, Felicia King. Oh my God. I'm forgetting your name. Felicia King. Felicia King. Is it Felicia King? Let me see. Anyway, she plays a hero by the name of uh, Sister Knight, right? Mm -hmm. well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up now so I can. I am I am absolutely horrible. Like I could name any, you know, actor or what have you, but as soon as I start talking about them in interview style or what have you, I'm like, I don't know this name. Who is this person? <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm, I'm gonna edit this in a second. So let me let me let me look up the name right quick. All right, Regina King. Yeah. So uh, okay, yeah. 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 So Watchmen, you know, uh, stars uh, Regina King, who uh, plays a detective uh, slash superhero by the name of a uh, Sister Knight. And the, yeah, just the dynamics of that show and, uh, you know, what's going on in the present world as opposed to what's going on in that world is pretty cool. And the fact that it, you know, takes place after the events of, of Black Wall Street, you know, which I didn't know, like so many people were telling me, right, you know, yo, you got to watch this show, you got to watch this show. So when I actually sat down and started watching it, I had no idea, you know, Mm -hmm. where you know what this what this show is going to be about and the journey you know of this main character and it's absolutely fascinating so i just figured oh he's from oklahoma i was like oh shit watchman i should ask him about that so <laughs> so no yeah. lately i've been asked more about tiger king than anything else so. oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I i i am halfway kind of refusing to watch that show <laughs> Like I kind of have a, uh, I've, I've gotten the premise, you know, of it. I'm like, I don't need to see this shit show. Like this is going to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, like I like I like Joe Exotic, the kind of main character. Um, I met him a few years ago when he ran for governor out here. What? I got a picture with him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh what was it because he came to my college because mm-hmm. he ran for governor as a libertarian and there was three candidates and they held a debate for them or forum okay. at my college uh, and i went to it because i was just like i'm not going to vote for any of these people but i still want to watch this because it seems interesting right and he um he was there and he gave people free shirts and condoms and rolling papers. And I got to take a picture with him. So like there's a picture of me online with him and yeah, but I didn't know a whole lot about him at the time until people started talking about Tiger King. And I was just like, okay, this is wild. I didn't know some of these things. I knew some things, (laughs) but not everything. And right, I've only right. seen like two episodes of it, but I'm not really that interested in finishing it. I might finish it eventually, but yeah, that I've been asked about more often than anything since I'm <laughs> from Oklahoma and he is. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, you know, I've been through Texas a lot, you know, I'm originally from North Carolina, so I've been pretty much throughout, you know, all of the Southeast, but I've never really stopped through Oklahoma. So just, in a nutshell, what is Oklahoma, you know, like, like, as far as like growing up now? Oh, uh, well, it depends on which part of Oklahoma you're from. I'm from more the central part of Oklahoma, um, Shawnee, which is about an hour east of Oklahoma City. Uh, okay. Shawnee is like, uh, it's one of the bigger towns in Oklahoma, but it's still kind of small. It's only 30,000 people or so. And I live on the outskirts of Shawnee, so not inside of Shawnee. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely interesting from where I live at. Um, lived in a town that had that's known for its racism, also known for you know being home to two different Native American tribes. Right. It's I I mean I like grow I liked growing up here. Um, a lot of other my friends didn't really like growing up here, but you know I'm different when it comes to that but it's nice uh the statistics for oklahoma aren't necessarily the best we're like one of the lowest when it comes to education mm-hmm. um and poverty rates aren't very good um stuff like that so there's a lot to work on here in the state and yeah that's most of what i have to say about it okay so in regards to that as far as like education and and poverty lines what what is the political landscape uh, in re- in regards to that um i would argue even worse uh because <laughs> let's see so whenever i was born uh at the local level you could pretty much say oklahoma was a blue state like um okay. the democrats had a super majority in the state legislature um i think when i was born we had a democratic or we had a republican governor but like the legislature was filled with the democrats at the time and then over time it pretty much flipped and basically became impossible for the democrats to ever take over the state legislature or become governor mm-hmm. um and during that time under mary fallon she became governor in 2011. uh she started enacting all these tax cuts um 
that pretty much ended up leading to all the budget shortfalls that ended up cutting edu- funding for education and other things. And then uh, she put in uh, the Republicans, they passed the law saying that cities and municipalities couldn't ban fr- fracking or couldn't raise the minimum wage on their own. So if that wants to be done, that has to be done at the state level, either through initiative petition or through the state legislature. Um, gotcha. Stuff like that. It's, it's not looking too good. I mean, in some ways things might get better mm-hmm, eventually, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it happening through the state legislature. I would hope for more ballot initiatives because some of those, they end up, <clears throat> whenever those get on the ballot, the progressive side of the uh, question ends up winning. Gotcha. So I guess the fight is therefore to keep those particular uh, issues, you know, out of like, out of the hands of, of the populace as far as like putting it to a vote. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you mentioned that uh, it like the state flipped from a, a Democratic uh, governor to a Republican governor uh, in. in is, is that is that is that correct? Did I hear that? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the state legislature as well. Yeah. OK. How did that happen? Like, uh, was there a bunch of redistricting that happened? Uh, no, this was actually before 2010, technically, because mm-hmm. it was or it was, it was the year of 2010, really, because it was 2008 is when it became more evenly split in the state legislature. And then in 2010, that was the Tea Party wave year. That's when they really started to take over. That's when they really took over. They had a majority, I think, in the state house, I believe. And then in 2012, they took over the state senate. Okay. Um, so it was kind of a grad, it was kind of a gradual thing, and it didn't have to do with redistricting because you know redistricting happens after the census um and then after that they pretty much took over even more um so yeah and then in 2011 that's when mary fallon got elected and then we re-elected another republican who's similar to trump Mm -hmm. back in 2018 Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i would imagine uh basically what happened is that is that just people just didn't get out to vote. How was voter turnout during during all this time? Uh, very low. And yeah. more specifically, in 2014, it was probably the lowest it had been in, like, decades. Like, it, I can't remember the percentage. Of, I want to say it was, like, 27% of people came out. It was, it was wow. awful. Um, and Democrats got decimated in the state legislature and in the gubernatorial race that year it was, it was bad um that was probably the worst electoral year for democrats it was 2014 i think here in the state okay and, and it's yeah go ahead no no i was just saying and during this time you're in high school at this time for the most part yeah high school and middle school uh okay. i think in 2014 i was definitely in high school uh my, the first time i ever got to vote was 2016 that was my senior year and oh, beginning okay. of college so yeah gotcha gotcha you know it luckily for you uh your your first time was uh 2016 my first time uh was what 90 89 90 what was that it was it was um it was bill clinton's uh run so yeah 92 yeah 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 that was yeah that was my first time it was uh 92 
And during that time, it was uh, what Clinton, Bush, and uh, Ross Perot. So yeah. it's it's amazing. You know, if I could go back and uh, look at my young self like then, say, hey, this is what's going to happen, right? Because I think what happened was I was kind of like, oh, Ross Perot. And then, you know, like everybody was like, what are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> you got to vote for Bill Clinton. I was like, I do. And so, you know, I did and I did it twice. Right. Mm -hmm. And so little did I know, like, you know, the shit that was going to happen with like, we could go back to like say the Nixon administration and start talking about making marijuana a Schedule One, uh, yeah, you know, drug. But then, like, definitely through the Clinton administration with uh, the Glass Steagall Act and the criminal, you know, the criminal bill, crime bill, yeah, yeah, the crime, yeah, the crime bill, uh, right. And just seeing, you know, just you know, just how bad things got starting, you know, from the early early late 90s you know till today so so the person that you voted for i'm going to assume it was for bernie sanders because i see it everywhere yep. on your <laughs> on your feet so how did that yep. make you feel yeah yeah go ahead yeah um uh, yeah bernie he was the first person i ever got to vote for first time i got to vote was for bernie um the only thing i regret most about 2016 was not doing enough for bernie in order to make sure he became the nominee mm -hmm. um but uh, yeah, I it, it was because when I got to college is when the general election happened, and I, you know, I was disappointed at the choices that I had, you know, Hillary right. or Trump, and I was just like, uh, I mean, I, the outcome I was hoping for was Hillary won. Uh, but you know that didn't end up happening, and I right. was very, I was very like on the fence as to whether or not she could win. Like I was like, I don't know. I mean, she could, she could not, and it's you know, either way, uh, it's going to have to be a struggle. Either way, yeah. whoever wins, and yeah. then, um, and uh, yeah, and then now this time around we might have or probably gonna have joe biden versus trump which is an even worse two options to have and it's just like oof. yeah i thought things were gonna get at least a little bit better but <laughs> yeah no i mean on a moral and just strategic level like i don't even see how i don't even see how people could like actually I mean, the choices are bad. Like there are a lot of people who are like, wow, both, both choices are bad, but I got to choose this way because it's supposed to be the thing I need to do. And mm -hmm. I mean, right now at this particular point of view, you know, my whole stance is basically you have to do what you feel is, is best. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, follow the guidelines of the vote blue, no matter who or what have you. I mean, yeah. I come from a little place of, of privilege just because I live in California. And so, you know, yeah. I, I know the state is going to be blue so I could vote for Mickey Mouse and, you know, what yeah. I, you know, and it won't do yeah, for, as far as the electoral college. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like for me, that's my whole thing is like, like, yeah, I, I, if out of Trump and, and Biden, I want Biden to end up becoming president, but I live in a red state, so I don't have to vote for Biden. So I'm just going to leave my ballot blank because I don't necessarily need to vote for Biden. I did the same thing in 2016 with Hillary. Mm -hmm. I was left to blank because it's like, I don't want to vote for Hillary. But if I lived in a swing state, 
I'd vote for the Democrat no matter what, because it's like, that's the best outcome we could get out of the two people who could possibly be president. Yeah, I, I, and I guess, you know, we, we do this every four years and we usually tend to forget about local stuff, right? So, yep. you know, and that's pretty much, you know, like my journey, you know, with all this, because in 2016, you know, I was like, well, I'm not necessarily the knock on doors type, but I, but I did it. You know, when I canvassed mm -hmm. for Bernie, I, I did it, right? And then as soon as everything just went south and I was like, oh, you know, I pretty much was like, Trump's going to win, you know, right after the, you know, our primaries were over and after everything came to light as far as like the ridiculousness, as far as like the rigging and how many, you know, people were actually working behind the scenes to try to get, you know, Hillary, you know, as they say, anointed, you know, what have yeah. you, you know, because it was supposed to be her time. So what we're, you know, I saw, I saw the Trump presidency happen, you know, way before the Democratic convention. And, you know, people started getting mad at me, but I was like, you know, I, I don't want it to happen, but you guys need to get ready for it, you know, because, mm -hmm it's happening and then as soon as what we what we're seeing now in regards to you know biden who's like falling asleep during hillary clinton's you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like yeah so you know i don't want to make I'm, my intent in saying all all of this is definitely not to make fun of the people who still feel as if he's a viable candidate but i do want to point and say hey listen your choices are these two men that that have been propped up you know both have been accused of sexual assault and you look at you look at how people have voted like when trump won you know we found mm -hmm. out there was a high percentage of white women who voted for donald trump and they didn't care about about his you know deviances you know before he yeah. started to run and we're seeing the same thing happen now on the quote-unquote left and so i'm like i pay attention to stuff like this and you know we're seeing the same thing happen and you know again i'm like well i guess it's going to be another four years so strap yourselves in guys this <laughs> this is going to be a shit show you yeah. know yeah yeah but you know again i think it in talking to you as far as like what are the young folks you know what are they thinking now how how are you guys going to you know change the world because you know the older i get the more conservative in thought and when i say conservative i mean not running out you know on the streets you know making a scene but but doing more lack of a better way of saying it like pulled back stuff like you know instead i would just jump without thinking and that's a good or bad that's not either good or bad it's just a thing right you know when you're younger mm -hmm. that's what you do um so you know with me i'm doing this podcast in order to you know just have a conversation and pretty soon i i hope to talk to some you know right-wing uh minded you know people just to you know see their point of view and how they're seeing the world but in regards to you what's going on in your neck of the woods with people who are your age who literally want to you know change the dynamic of this country um well specifically here in oklahoma what i see is i know people who are about my age who are running for office um 
I know people my age who are organizing for candidates that they want to see win, like whether it be at the state legislative level or the congressional level. Um, I see a lot of that. Some stuff I've seen uh, across the country and some stuff that I've also seen um, here is we know how we know that what we need what we need to do as far especially like on the left you know um we need to do more organizing for can for people candidates that we believe in and stuff like that and we also mm -hmm. need to have outlets like independent outlets and podcasts and stuff in order to promote these ideas and stuff like that like i have friends who are wanting to start their own podcasts and stuff because they know that the corporate media is not going to be where you know progressive and leftist ideas are going to be taken very seriously right and that's why i've started my show because i wanted to be able to show the progressive side and leftist side of things here in my state i've interviewed several candidates <clears throat> who are running for office here and you know i try to cover some issues here in oklahoma and yeah i think and i i don't i don't like saying this because i wasn't really around this time but i feel like us gen z or zoomers as some of us like to be called uh, <laughs> okay i feel like we're i feel like we're doing like millennials they they didn't start um like i see millennials they started later in the game as far as getting into politics and organizing mm -hmm. and we're doing it a lot earlier than them and maybe i'm only i'm only able to say this because i see it right now as opposed to 20 years ago 15 years ago i wouldn't have been able to see it mm -hmm. uh, but i think that's definitely the key because i know a lot of people who are younger than me they are following politics a lot more closely than even I did when I was their age, even though I was still pretty following it when I was like in high school. And a lot of them are telling me that they consider themselves to be socialists and communists and they haven't even graduated high school. And I'm like, you have that big of a grasp on the world at that age. <laughs> and like, I couldn't have even imagined calling myself a socialist at 15. And right. like, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of socialism or communism at that time. But like, you know, I didn't have that kind of a grasp on the world to the point where I was like, oh no, like I'm definitely a socialist at 15. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been noticing, you know, that as well, as far as like, you know, the the S word, oh, like the big scary word, socialism, you know, like we're now uh, looking at that as, you know, maybe possibly a viable means of helping to take care of other people, you know, that live in this country. I mean, we see socialism in, you know, the, the police, you know, we pay our taxes to help go towards police, fire stations, what have you, things that cause, you know, things that make cities run for the most part. And we're definitely seeing socialism work, except not for uh, the majority of people, but definitely for, you know, the 1%, the billionaires or what have you, who, who are saying that we need this money so that we don't go out of a business. But yeah. we found, 
right? But, you know, we found out, especially during 2009, you know, with uh, the bank bailout that, you know, the money that was given to them was gone to going to their executives and not being doled out, you know, to help the economy going. And we're seeing this happen again, in particular, you know, with uh, small businesses or, you know, what, what, not what we would call small businesses, but what the law says is a small business and how that particular law is being exploited, you know, by companies who, who, yeah. who define themselves as being a small business, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But definitely like, you know, with you saying that, I remember like during uh, the Obama's first election, how we started to see social, social media be used in particular Twitter and texting, right? So that's pretty much how Obama won, you know, as far as yeah. like the young vote, but that was definitely in like through social media means what happened. So we've seen, you know, now the evolution of, you know, how companies such as Facebook and Twitter have been censoring or changing their algorithms to make it so independent voices, you know, aren't heard. Right. So are you noticing that any of that? Well, particular like YouTube, I know, but, you know, through Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen some of that or heard of it. Definitely. I'm not sure if I'd say I've seen it specifically, but uh, I've definitely heard a lot about that. OK, um, yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the Green Corn Rebellion show and how did you come up with the name? Well, the name is after a thing that happened around where I live here in Oklahoma back in 1917, I think. Hold on a second. I'm pulling it up on my computer so I don't get anything wrong. (laughs) No problem. But yeah, it happened around Seminole County. I live in Pottawatomie County. But uh, it was it was socialists and a few people within some of the native tribes and African Americans. They staged uh, a sort of an action in order to uh, protest against the World War One because they were going to, or they enacted a draft and they didn't want to go to war. And that was what that was about. And so the reason why I called the show the Green Corn Rebellion show is because it's about Oklahoma and it's about working class people of all different colors coming together in order to fight back against power. Okay. Okay. That's, that's great. That's great. And how long have you had this uh, show? Uh, it's been about a year now. It's, this is May. I think I started it in mid, late, mid to late May of last year. So yeah, been about a year. Okay, cool. And what are some of the things that you've taken from the show now? Like, uh, are there any guests that you know you want to get on and, and has anybody influenced you more as far as like with whom you've interviewed, you know, so far? Uh, well, I've interviewed uh, politicians, people running for Congress in the Senate. I've interviewed some local politicians. 
like uh, Jacob Rosecrans, who was a teacher who got elected out in Norman to the state legislature here in Oklahoma. Um, my friend Alex Scott, who's currently running for state senate out in Norman. She's also a member of the city council there. Um, I've also had musicians on, like John Siebel's of Eve Six. Uh, he's the guitarist for the band Eve Six. I've mm -hmm. interviewed Frankie Palmieri of Amir. Um, as far as influences, um, uh, one day I'm gonna have to actually do a video about this. But like, as far as influences go, there's several different people and things that influence me. Um, as far as things that influence me to want to do the show, outside of just like me being interested in politics, uh, watching the people like Majority Report, the Michael Brooks show. Mm -hmm. uh, or Chapo Trap House even, those are people who have influenced me greatly in terms of wanting to start a podcast. Um, and then uh, people that have influenced me just like in general in life. Uh, I, I, I take a lot of influence from the musicians I listen to, like Linkin Park or Eminem or even Lum Biscuit. Fred Durst, um, <laughs> uh, bands like, yeah. Um, I'm not laughing at you per se. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, um, uh, band Corn, uh, the band Butcher Babies, uh, they're, they're influences to me. Uh, someone I'd like to have on in the future. I'd love to have Fred Durst on the show in the future. That's that's someone I'd really like to have on. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw your interview uh, with uh, Michael Brooks, and, and I'll actually start, you know, I want to you know, take a look at, you know, some of his stuff. But I really found, found it like, uh, I just chuckled a little bit when you guys started talking about, you know, who you guys were listening to. And I was like, oh, yeah, Nas and the Beastie Boys did, because I had just seen, like, the Beastie Boys documentary. Which, yeah. was, which was, you know, awesome. And so I started thinking about, you know, the music that I started listening to. You know, I'm, you know, for anyone that, that knows me, I'm, I'm like a huge Prince fan, like huge, you know, like yeah. every album, you know, I've had. And, you know, it's, it's more than just Purple Rain, you know, you know what I mean? So that's when a lot of people say, oh, I love Prince. I like Purple Rain. I was like, okay, dude. Uh, so... <laughs> But, uh, you know, yeah, but definitely, like, in regards to hip-hop, like, I've realized that I've been listening to a lot of uh, Wu-Tang and and, uh, the, and RZA, right? Or pretty much anybody yeah. from Wu-Tang. I've just been, like, you know, listening to their individual albums, you know, what have you. But, yeah, definitely, like, going back, yeah, Nas was definitely, you know, when he was young, he came out with his first album. Like, some of the things still kind of sort of ring true, but it does, you know, take you back, you know, towards the day. But, yeah, definitely... As far as like being in uh, in Oklahoma and the music that you know that you listen to now, you know, you know, speak to some of the things that are going on in this day and age. I think mostly like, and then also what uh, Rage Against the Machine. I've been listening to yeah. like a lot. You know, like I've just been noticing that some of some of this music, you know, has been cyclical, right? In mm -hmm. regards to some of the events that were happening when the music came out and how it's still playing, you know, it, it still kind of rings true, you know, today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mostly do, uh, you, you want to talk about politics, but you also, but music is also your thing, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that and that's another thing we have in common. I was like, oh yeah, you know, he does he talks about a lot of music, talks about a lot of about acting, you know, what have you. And then also, you are are you still a member of uh, the Young Democrats or no? Yeah, I'm still active with the Young Democrats. I'm also I'm uh, the rural caucus chair for the Young Democrats of Oklahoma. Okay, and so. You know, with, with what you're doing now and the way, you know, the way the world is going on now and the way that we've seen, you know, what, you know, what the Democratic Party is doing, how, how do you see yourself trying to change that? Or if you think it needs to be changed, you know, if, if you know, if that's at all possible. Um, I, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I'm mostly focused on the local level, uh, state legislative seats and stuff like that and mm -hmm. trying to get candidates elected as progressive as they can be. Um, and stuff like that. Cause I feel like it'll, if it's easier to get, things change more at the local level than at the national level. And then once you get things changed at the local level, then it'll ripple up. Right. Right. So, because you got, to, you have to start somewhere and it doesn't necessarily start at the top because I always tell people, I said, uh, like back in the seventies, whenever George McGovern lost and then the DLC was started in the late seventies, like it still took them, it's took the third way Democrats 20 years to get a democratic nominee for president and get a president elected in mm. Bill Clinton in 92. It's not going to like the party's not just going to change overnight just because we think it should, you have to actually get on the ground and, do stuff in order to affect that change it'll take time it's not ever gonna just happen overnight though i will say i did not expect us to go backwards in nominating joe biden to be the nominee that's definitely something i did not expect to happen <laughs> yeah it's kind of like it's almost as if the dnc was like you guys need to learn your lesson like no, yeah you don't move us we move you we tell you, you know, what to do. And I think if anything, that is probably the, well, well, in my opinion, I don't think it's, it's not only the opposite thing that's going to happen, but it's, it's kind of egotistical to think that, that one would, you know, actually, actually do that. So, you know, for me, it just seems like it's a massive mountain to climb in order to, uh, you know, change and true, true. Things like this don't happen overnight, and nor should you think that it will. I mean, I think if, if anything, uh, I think a lot of people thought that you know things would change in four years, right? As far as like mentality and mindsets or what have you. Um, for me personally, I was going to give you know the DNC, you know, like two, you know, twice, like I, you know, 2016 and now, and so I see, okay, well. I knew, you know, nothing's going to happen in four years. And so, and definitely now that I'm seeing how things are repeating themselves, except it's the Democrat side, I'm like, this is, uh, in my opinion, I kind of think this is kind of hopeless. And mm -hmm. it just seems as if, and, and true, I definitely think that things do need to change at a local level. You're absolutely right about that. And also, 
we're looking at how news is being, you know, disseminated, you know, now, right? You know, because all yeah. all the networks have been consolidated to like what six big companies. And so if mm -hmm. and they're dictating, you know, the narrative. Right. Yep. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, yeah, definitely as far as like, you know, with podcasting and people going on YouTube and having their YouTube shows, uh, I think yeah. that, you know, the more of this type of content that's coming out, like definitely you know we should change a mind or two right <laughs> you know yeah because that's because that's the other thing i see is that the media like as far as like msnbc and cnn goes like it's mostly older people who are watching that stuff like people over 45 right. and like most of those people are uh dying off as some would say, I mean, they literally are kind of just dying off, but like, but then people under 45 or under 40, they mostly get their news from the internet, from podcasts, from YouTube, stuff like that, more independent sources and stuff like that. So, and then if you look at the primary results, Bernie won people under 45, an overwhelming amount. And then people over 45, Biden won an overwhelming amount and right. it's going to change eventually just simply based on the fact that people are growing up and having getting their news from other places outside of cnn and msnbc and the mainstream media and it so it's there's hope like at least that's what gives me hope is that because i see people younger than me already saying like oh well i don't trust cnn and msnbc and i watch xyz show watch your show like i have people tell me sometimes they watch my show i'm like okay that's odd but sure um oh don't say <laughs> yeah short, like, man yeah um, yeah i, I mean, know but but yeah, yeah but like i but i have hope be for that reason alone is just like it, i doubt over time those people who were in their 30s and 40s are just going to magically start watching CNN and MSNBC 24-7 and then are going to automatically turn their back on being progressive. I, I just don't see that happening. So that's what gives me hope for the future. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like when I go home, I'm originally from North Carolina. So when I go home, you know, and visit my parents, it's uh, CNN and MSNBC is like on 24 seven. And there, yeah. there just comes a time when I'm just like, I can't listen to the same thing mm -hmm. over and over. And I think I was having a conversation with with my mom a while ago. And she was like, yeah, well, they're, you know, they're, uh, it was during uh, the primary. And you know, I was going through each of the candidates, you know, on the, you know, DNC. And so, you know, I started talking about Kamala Harris. I started talking about Pete Buttigieg. You know, I started talking about Joe Biden, like all the things that we're listening to now, like these are things that, you know, I was hearing. She was like, well, how come I'm not hearing about this? I was like, well, let's go back to the 90s, <laughs> you know, so I give a lesson in regards to why you're, <laughs> you know, and bless my parents hard, you know, you know, they, they did the best they could. And, you know, when you, when you keep listening to the same thing over and over again, not to say, you know what, I don't want to say to my parents are indoctrinated, but in lack of a better yeah. way of saying it, like you keep listening to these same things, you know, these are, you know, supposedly like credible sources, right? Like, yeah. you, you know, you want to either get up in the morning and go to work and you want to see the news, see what's going on in the world. 
this is where you turn to, right? You know, but now it's turned into like, it's all tabloid and it's all commentary instead of these are the facts, right? Yeah. And yeah, and you know, I will say the one critique that I think, you know, we should, I know I'm totally biased, like I'm ridiculously biased, but I also know there should be more, more just the facts, you know, reporting, you know, that, you know, should be, you know, online as well. And I think we do get that as far as like, I think progressives, if anything, we are middle of the road and we're able to see both sides. And then we also know that we want to take, we want to take anybody that would, you know, hear our voice, whether they're left leaning people or right leaning people or, you know, just true independence and we'll go either way, depending on, you know, how they feel and what they see, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so do you have, you know, plans for uh, wanting to run for office? Oh, eventually. Okay. It's definitely in my future. I've been wanting to run for office since I was 17. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So, and how'd you, how'd you really get, get into politics? Um, I started a Young Democrats chapter at my school, at my high school, my senior year. And this is 2015, 2016. And um, invited some local politicians to come speak at the school. And that's kind of how I got started. And then I worked on a campaign for Congress. Um, I uh, started a Young Democrats chapter in my county. That was a couple of years later, but that's kind of how I got started. I started a Young Democrats chapter at my high school. Okay, and awesome. And started going to county meetings and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay, cool deal, cool deal. So we're gonna uh, wrap it up here pretty soon, but you know, why don't you tell tell my listeners like, you know, if they want to ask any questions or if they're running for office and they want to get on your show, uh, how, how do we get in touch with you? Uh, just hit me up on Twitter uh, at Gregory Harden the Second on Twitter, and or hit up the show uh, at TGCRS four um, six, and just DM me or at me. I prefer a DM if I if you. Just jump in my mentions, I might miss it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Greg. Or should I call you Gregory? Gregory? Greg. Gregory. 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 You Gregory. the whole yeah. name. No problem. <laughs> All right, Gregory. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate it. I think you've got a real bright future ahead of you. And I uh, appreciate all the, all the work you've done. And uh, you make me feel feel all right about about the younger generation you know like coming up in the world so uh all the best to you my man thank you thank you for having me on it's been great awesome man all right peace thanks for tuning in on another episode of lj presents as always, you can find me on my website at ljeffreymore.com, Twitter at ljeffreymore, and on Instagram at ljeffrey.more. If you like what the show has to offer and you'd like to make a contribution, make sure to check out my Patreon page. Your contribution is always appreciated. Make sure to check back next week for another great guest. See you then. Music.